0: Please turn in the Scriptures to 2 Samuel chapter 19, and we'll begin reading at verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogalim and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old. And he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please, let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now, whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king bl- uh, kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, that it not only records history with perfect accuracy, But it describes for us patterns in life that you have established from of old. And we pray that uh, you would bless us, give us understanding, open our hearts uh, to receive your word. And I pray that you would anoint me to preach it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A newly hired A consultant walked into the personnel manager's office and rudely interrupted a conversation he was having with an employee, but he really wanted to know right now how many of the employees were approaching uh, retirement. And the personnel manager said, all of them, not one of them is going the other way. (laughs) All of us are aging. Not one of us is going the other way. And I think it's useful for us to think about old age even when we are young. Uh, when we were going through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, Rodney was uh, preaching, uh, it was pretty clear that in Ecclesiastes, uh, God wanted us to be thinking about old age even when we are young. Now, it did not idealize old age, not at all. In chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Better a poor and wise youth. Than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. So we're not saying uh, that age apart from godliness is a good thing, but in a country like America when youth is idealized and people try to do everything they can to avoid getting old, I think it's probably a subject that we need to uh, think about. And this little portrait of old age at least gives an introduction to a biblical philosophy of aging. And the first thing that we see in verse 31 and actually throughout this, uh, this passage is that even though Bartzilli was tired, you definitely see that in the later verses, even though he was tired, he did not retire from life. Now let me quickly add that there are scriptures that talk about retirement. Some people think, you know, retirement is unbiblical, but if you look in Numbers chapter 8, you will see that the priests retired from the heavy lifting at age 50 uh, they were not having to sling these animals these carcasses around you know and these sacrifices anymore but they went on to do other meaningful work in Leviticus 27 verse 7 and 1st Timothy 5 verse 9 it implies that there's uh, a, 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 a retirement from certain activities at the age of 60 and yet the context of both of those scriptures indicate that they still are involved in very meaningful work after that and so those golden years it's important to understand that retirement from a a job does not mean retirement from life like the first picture in your outline says I'm not retired I'm redirected okay and I've seen too many people once they quit their jobs they seem to go downhill uh, because uh, maybe it's because they've lost uh, a sense of goal and drivenness and purpose in life. Maybe they don't think they're, they're useful, but they really tend to go downhill. Well, this man here had interests that went beyond his gout and his, uh, uh, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and bladder problems and other things. No, he was thinking outside of himself. Verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogalim and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now that little verse tells us a lot about this old man. Let me give you three points. First of all, he kept informed about what was going on in the world around him. He knew exactly where to find uh, David. Uh, He knew... um, You know what was happening in terms of the war now he's a rich man he probably had servants that were going and bringing reports back and forth to him but even with that uh, caveat he still had interests that went beyond his own little uh, home and circle and if you're not rich you can keep up on things that are going around the world by talking to people who are well-informed it's one of the good things about church is uh, we, can, we can catch up on the news. It's uh, one of the good reasons to get newsletters and if you have a computer or an iPad uh, to be keeping up on things in any decade of our lives that go beyond just our immediate interests that are here. He had interests that went way beyond uh, his own little hometown. He's 43 miles away from his home. That's more than a day's journey away so if you just think in terms of travel and modern vehicles Uh, How far does your interest in what's happening in life go? It's very important that we not uh, allow ourselves or those that we love to crawl into a hole and just have the world go away just because life gets difficult. We need to continue to have them having interest in life. The second thing that's implied is that he still knows how to push his body beyond its comfort zone. Now we've already seen this is now the second trip that Barzillai has made in just a few weeks. Uh, The the trip from his home in Rogalim down to Mahanaim was 32 miles to deliver all kinds of goods and groceries to David. And then later on in the week, he travels 32 miles back. Now, within weeks, he has traveled 43 miles. And we're not talking about driving by car. We're talking about more than a day's travel, okay? And for an 80-year-old, this is pushing his body quite a bit. And I understand not everybody could do that. That's not the point. For some people, it may be pushing their body to just get out of bed and rub their sore joints and be walking around the house a little bit. It might be pushing their bodies to be taking care of routine chores and, and, and cooking for themselves. And that that's okay. At least they are not giving up. Everybody's body is different. But the point that I want to emphasize is that a biblical philosophy of aging does not make us give up simply because life is hard. Till the day we die, it's important that we push ourselves, that we keep to the best of our ability serving the Lord and not give up. I uh, thought that the Minnesota Medical Association had it exactly right when they said this. You may be old at 40 and young at 80... But you are genuinely old at any age if you feel old. You feel you have learned all there is to learn. You find yourself saying, I'm too old to do that. You feel tomorrow holds no promise. You take no interest in the activities of youth. You'd rather talk than listen. You long for the good old days, feeling they were the best. So those are symptoms of the wrong kind of aging. Uh, which really shows that what we're going to be talking about this morning is a disposition, it's an outlook on life that makes all the difference in the world. Now the third thing that's implied in this verse is that Barzillai was not risk aversive. I can just hear his kids saying dad you can't be traveling 43 miles to the Jordan River I mean it's dangerous you could be robbed and what if you have a heart attack while you're on the way. Uh, my grandpa Kaiser um, lived for the last decades of his life with uh, my Aunt Minna, and uh, she kind of uh, took care of him and whatnot, but there were people who were constantly saying, you really should not let Grandpa, your you know, Herman was his name, uh, let him be out in the garden, because he could uh, fall on the uneven dirt, and he could break a hip, uh, he could have a heart attack, he could open up a hernia, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and she'd say, why should I... Uh, make him give up on the things that give him meaning in life. He takes pleasure in doing in doing this um, this gardening and he was actually out in the garden puttering around on the day that he died, which was just short of a hundred years old. He was ninety nine years old and yeah, he looked pretty rickety out there. He had a he had a rake instead of a cane because a cane would go down into the dirt, so he had a rake and he'd you know be raking the the, the pebbles and whatnot, not, and, uh, and so he did look kind of risky uh, when he was out there, but he had a full and a fulfilled life, so don't be risk aversive. Vance Havner told of a 90-year-old who decided to travel around the world, and his buddy came to in, in distress and he said, you shouldn't take a trip like that, I might never see you again. And the old man replied, yeah, you may be dead before I get back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He had spunk, just like Barzillai did. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead Israel. Now, I find it remarkable that even though it scared Moses to death to do this, and he came up with every excuse in the book, he didn't come up with the excuse that he was too old. It didn't even dawn on him that being too old was a good excuse, or he probably would have used it. Okay, um, Plato became a student at age 50, And his most famous philosophy was written after the age of 60. Michelangelo was still designing structures in his 89th year. And you know that famous uh, painting on the Sistine Chapel roof? He was lying on his back on a scaffold painting that. I'm sure people are having a heart attack, you know, as he's climbing this scaffolding. You a 90-year-old guy... Now, don't tell my father-in-law about that because we're trying to keep him off the roof. (laughs) There's balance on this, Okay. Um, But um, Cato began studying Greek, which was a bit safer project, at age 80. Strauss was still composing serious music after his 80th birthday. My favorite uh, opera writer, Verdi, uh, wrote his masterpiece, Othello, at age 74, and I love the BBC uh, version of that. Uh, Verdi wrote Falstaff at 80, Ava Maria and Deum at 85. And I could go on and on. Now, the point of giving those statistics is not to say that you're going to be able to do that kind of stuff, you know, when you're 80 or 85 uh, years old. But within the capacity that God allows, we should encourage our aging parents and grandparents to live life as fully as they are able, even if it involves some risk. Don't be so protective of them that you squeeze the life out of them. Robert Savage said, much more important than adding years to your life is to add life to your years. And I say amen. I think that would have been a good saying for Aunt Minna to tell people when they wanted Grandpa for the last 40 years of his life, you know, to be staying indoors, uh, that it's much much more important than adding years to your life is to add life to your years. Now let's move on to verse 32. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. Now, we looked at that passage before, and we saw that even though Barzillai was rich, he still had a servant's heart. Okay, Riches had not grabbed his heart. He still cared for people. He was very generous with people. (coughs) He had not allowed the accumulation of wealth to turn him into a miser, and he had not allowed insecurity concerning the future uh, to make him stingy with his money. Sometimes uh, the wealthiest people are the most stingy, but generosity is not simply an issue of money. Now, some people just don't have uh, much money when they're elderly, but they can still be generous with their time, their service, their counsel, generous with their words, Uh, you know, Ken in the back, uh, after his retirement, was very, very generous with his time and his counsel and his ministry. He engaged in evangelism. He was uh, involved with the Trucker's Chapel and, in other ways, was uh, very generous. And sometimes the retirement years are some of the most productive years in a person's life. Part of what made Barzillai so generous was that he had a faith in God, he believed in a cause. He was committed to principle. He was loyal to his friend. And all of this made him think beyond himself and enabled him to minister even when he could justifiably have taken a break. Said, look, I've put in my time. I'm just going to hang out and veg in front of the TV. Well, they didn't have TVs, but General Douglas MacArthur once said this, years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up interest wrinkles the soul. You are as young as your faith, as old as your doubt, as young as your self-confidence, as old as your fear, as young as your hope, as old as your despair. So he is saying that really there is an inward health that helps to take us beyond the failing of our bodies. But certainly on this issue of service, uh, I hope that till the day I die, I can be uh, generous and have a servant's heart. Now, the third thing that distinguishes Barzillai is that he has a different perspective on what is important in life. Look at the incredible offer that David makes in verse 33. The king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. The young men would have just jumped at that opportunity because consider the influence that he could have in Jerusalem. Consider the leverage for his family. Consider the increased wealth that he might be able to get. It was an incredible offer, and yet Barzillai turns it down. And I can understand it. When you are nearing the end of your life, uh, things that may have seemed important to you before may not have quite the same importance that they used to have. When people are dying, I think it's rare for them to say, wow I wish I had earned more money or I wish I'd spent more hours in the office or I wish I'd gotten bigger and better toys the things that they tend to regret are things like I wish I had spent more time with my wife or my kids or my grandkids or had spent more time with my friends when he leaves in verse 39 it is to spend more time with his family now most people gain a better perspective and what is important way, way too late in life. I suspect Barzillai had this all figured out a lot earlier in life, and you can too. And here's uh, one of the exercises I would encourage you to do to try to gain this perspective. Just imagine, imagine that in the future, on your 90th birthday, they're going to hold a big shindig for you, and they're going to uh, just have memories of the past what kind of memories do you wish would be discussed on your 90th birthday those are the kinds of things that you really ought to be involved in right now what kind of character issues do you wish you had been able to instill in your children those are the kinds of things you should be instilling uh, in their lives uh, right now <clears throat> what kinds of things would bring you satisfaction at that time. I think it's interesting that Barzillai spent a great deal of exertion in helping David to be restored to the throne but he doesn't really spend uh, want to spend uh, any time at David's court. I, I find that very interesting. The first action was an action that could have lost the kingdom or made the kingdom. It was uh, he was uniquely positioned and probably the only one position to be able to provide in that way and so that was really important in fact it would have a, an impact upon his descendants if this kingdom was lost or if it was not lost but anybody he felt could be serving in the king's court and so at your 90th birthday what character qualities do you wish your children would remember what values do you hope your children will pass on See, every decision that you make, every decision you make to say yes to this opportunity is saying no to a whole bunch of other opportunities, okay? Another way of saying this is that every decision you make is an economic decision. You've got limited time and you've got to have a long-term perspective to try to figure out what is the best way that I can divide up the minutes that God has given to me so barzillai turned down an incredible opportunity here and some people without perspective might think well yeah yeah the only reason he turns it down is because you know the old proverb says by the time you find greener pastures you're too old to climb the fence And I don't think that's the case here. He had the energy to travel 43 miles. So he had energy to go to Jerusalem if he wanted to go there. He was turning down an incredible opportunity because he was seizing a better opportunity at home. And it was precisely the aging of his body that probably helped him to have this perspective. Now, I'm not knocking the fact that Barzillai could not have as fully appreciated the comforts that David uh, might have given to him uh, but he basically feels that those comforts are not the deciding factor they're not that important it was perspective point three that drove his decision to say no and it was his limits point four that made it easier to do so let's take a look at the limits that tend to make older people uh, a little bit more realistic than us young uns and I still think of myself at 58 going on 59 as a young okay uh, first He had limits of time, verse 34, but Barzillai said to the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? It's a nice offer, David, but honestly, I don't have a lot of time left, and I want to make sure that my hours count. The closer you get to death, the more limited your time seems to you, and as with every other commodity... Uh, The more limited an essential commodity is, the more you value it, the more you treasure it. Uh, Rather than making himself busy with uh, politics, Barzillai wants to do something at home. We're not told what it is that he wants to do there. Now, for somebody like David, whom God has called to be involved in politics, it may be a totally different choice. But the only thing I'm saying here is that you can't do everything, and Barzillai has chosen to spend his time on something else now it's not just limits of time limits of body made him value other things as well verse 35 begins I am today eighty years old can I discern between the good and the bad can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women as uh, Vance Havner worded it the first half of our lives were romantic second half of our lives were rheumatic. <laughs> Okay, our bodily ailments creep in and it makes us value things a little bit differently because the more you lose your taste buds the less interested you are in in feasts the more you lose your hearing the less interested you're going to automatically be in going to concerts it's sort of like well think of it this way the further along in the nine-month pregnancy that a woman becomes and her discomforts begin entering in the more ready she is to give birth and in the same way the 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 more God brings in the deterioration of our body the more prepared we are for heaven and actually the more prepared we are to start to value the things that are precious and that are, are are going to be quickly lost Robertson McQuilkin the former president of Columbia International University, was driving with an elderly friend, and she was very arthritic and only moved around very slowly and very painfully. And at one point she asked him, Robertson, why does God let us get old and weak? Why must I hurt so? I'm not sure, McQuilkin replied, but I have a theory. What is it? Well, he hesitated to share it, but she insisted, and this is what he said. I think god has planned the strength and beauty of youth to be physical but the strength and beauty of age is spiritual we gradually lose the strength and beauty that is temporary so we'll be sure to concentrate on the strength and beauty which is forever but honestly we ought to have that perspective in every decade of our lives Uh, sometimes god forces us to have that perspective by having our bodies deteriorate where we really cannot be preoccupied with the things we otherwise uh, might have been. But we need to learn to have that uh, eternal perspective and that value even when we're young. Now point C, those limits of health also made Barzillai not want to be a burden to David. He says in the last part of verse 35, Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? So he probably had hearing issues, and he probably felt it's not going to do much use to be on David's counsel. I'm probably not going to hear anything you're going to say anyway. Maybe he had bladder problems and other issues that would have made it difficult for him to serve uh, in that capacity. So even though this is a tempting offer, Barzillai's severe limits of time, body, and health made him realistic. And we need to be sensitive to the elderly on how far we push them. Now, verse 36 brings up a fifth part of the picture that I see as significant. It says, Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Attired tired as he was, he was willing to travel a few more miles just to accompany David. Uh, he didn't need to go across the Jordan. He already met with David, but he wants to accompany him a few more miles. But his priorities did not allow him to accept the rewards. So let's just think about this logically. <clears throat> he valued David enough to have made two trips. He values him enough to even go across the river and spend a little bit more time with him. And he values going back home rather than receiving additional rewards. Well, just the logical deduction of those facts that I've given to you shows that he valued relationships more than he valued Uh, money. And if you can value relationships more than bringing in money, you're not going to have nearly as many regrets when you get to the end of your life. You can take your relationships with you to heaven. You're not going to take any money with you to heaven. Not taking much else. Clovis Chapel, a um, Methodist minister in the early 1900s, used to tell a true story of a paddle boat Race on the Mississippi. There were two paddle boats that had left Memphis and they were heading to New Orleans. And uh, the sailors on one of the boats were kind of mocking the sailors on the other boat about what a snail's pace their boat had, and they can't go very fast, not nearly as fast as their boat. And words were exchanged, and finally a challenge was set up as to who was going to win this race. So a race set on, and they were just roaring down the Mississippi uh, through the deep. South, but one boat began to fall behind because it was running out of coal. And as the uh, boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the furnace. And as they discovered that that was burning just as well as the coal, uh, they were burning up all of this um, uh, stuff that they had been entrusted to, to to transport. Now they ended up winning the race. But they lost the cargo that they had been commissioned to carry. Now, I know some men are so goal-oriented that they become stupid, but this, <laughs> this, uh, this one here takes the cake, as far as I'm concerned, on stupidity. Well, God has entrusted a cargo to us, too. And what I would like you to ask yourselves is, are you stupid like those sailors? Okay, This cargo does include our jobs because we have been given a dominion mandate, but it also includes our children, our spouses, friends, church, witness, and other things. And if we are so goal-driven by success that we're willing to burn up the cargo that God has entrusted to us, we are as stupid as those sailors were. How much cargo are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve the number one spot Bardzilla wasn't willing to do that, and I think this portrait shows his wisdom. The sixth thing that we see in this mini portrait of old age is that Bardzilla was ready to die, and he was preparing to die. Verse 37 Please, let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. He was preparing to die. And he didn't want to die in Jerusalem. He wanted to be buried right near where his uh, mom and dad were buried. And to me, this shows not only that he didn't fear death, that's a good thing, not to fear death, but he was preparing for death as every one of us, I believe, should prepare uh, for death. Uh, Joe Moorcraft was actually the guy that got me starting to think about this in 1981. I was at a Bible study with, see, um, was a Jeff Black, who was a pastor down south, and he was using Moorcraft's uh, little syllabus on Deuteronomy, marvelous little syllabus. And one of the appendixes in there was how to prepare your funeral. That's not a morbid subject. It really is a subject that we ought to, to be thinking about it. I believe that preparing for our death shows respect for the living. I talked to Ken about that sometime. He has helped many people to prepare Uh, for death. And their relatives were very appreciative uh, of that. Uh, Just as having life insurance shows respect for your spouse, making the transition for your death a little bit more smooth shows respect for your family. That doesn't mean you have to buy a gravesite, although it's uh, not a bad idea to think about that. But make sure that your papers are in order and that your children know where to find everything. I have to write down where to find things because I lose the things that I've hidden. Where did I hide that thing? But make sure that your children are going to be able to find it. Um, The more you get your paperwork in order, the less stressful your death will be to the family. And I also highly, highly recommend that you put together a medical directive to help your children to navigate through... Some of the tricky, dicey issues that are involved in medical ethical uh, decisions. I, I absolutely do not recommend a living will. Living wills are way too loose, and I think the medical establishment has abused uh, medical wills. So, medical wills, no. Medical directives, yes. Have a will that writes out in it exactly who's going to be the guy with medical power of attorney. Make sure it's somebody that you can that you can trust. Uh, you need to be thinking through these kinds of end-of-life uh, issues, uh, inheritance. How are you going to do that? So get a good lawyer, and he can help you to think through a lot of the issues involved in a goodwill. It's a kindness to your family. Robert Morgan speaks of the seven stages of life as being spills, that's babyhood, drills, that's grade school, thrills, that's probably teenage life he's referring to, bills ills, pills, and wills, okay? <laughs> and uh, that last one, wills, has been way, way, way too neglected by Christians. They just don't think of those end-of-life issues. If you don't want the taxman and attorneys to absolutely eat up all of your wealth that you've accumulated, then don't do You know, you've got to be involved in having a will. And if you've got a lot of assets, probably thinking about setting up a trust. But there's a lot that goes into preparing to die. The seventh thing that I see in this portrait is that Bardzilai was thinking about his family's future. Not just his own future, his family's future. And take a look at verses 37 through 38. Please let your servant turn back again that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant Chimham. And uh, commentators believe that was either a son or a grandson. Here is your servant Chimham, let him cross over with my lord the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Barzillai had apparently thought through which of his descendants would be the best suited for working in the capital with David. He anticipated that this might, kind of an offer, might come along, so he brought Chimham with him. We're not told why he thought Chimham of all of his descendants would be the best. Maybe he had the kind of character, strong character that would not be seduced by life in the capital. Maybe he didn't have a place, you know, in in the family business. We're not told, but we do know that Barzillai was thinking about the family legacy. He was thinking about the family legacy when... He went back to his city. He was thinking about this family legacy when he is making whatever opportunities he can to promote, to help elevate, Uh, it's either a son or a grandson. And apparently, Chimham did fairly well. Apparently, he inherited some of David's own property near Bethlehem. And 500 years later, that property is still known as the habitation of Chimham in Jeremiah 41, verse 17. To me, this indicates that Chimham did fairly well. He was well-known. He was a well-respected person. And so this action of Barzillai had an incredibly long-term benefit for his descendants. It um, impacted things for the better for 500 years. And all of us need to think how best we can invest in our children's and our grandchildren's future. I really despise The signs on these uh, big, um, what do you call these mobile homes that run run on the roads? Uh, Not mobile homes, but anyway, uh, recreational vehicles, something like that, uh, have these signs. We're spending our children's inheritance. Now, that's not to say that older people cannot enjoy more than they enjoyed when they're younger. I mean, obviously they can. That's the whole point of deferred gratification. You're deferring gratification, you're not denying gratification. So, yes. Uh, Older people should be able to enjoy a lot of the substance, but we ought to also be thinking, how can I be the most strategic in in helping my children and my grandchildren, having a multi-generational perspective? Verse 39 says, then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. Now, there's two things highlighted here, friendship and going home. And the friendship can be seen that Barzillai took the extra effort, and it would have taken some extra effort to cross the Jordan and spend a little bit more time with David. And David, whose heart wished that Barzillai would be able to be closer to him, he wished for that. He kisses Barzillai, he blesses him. Now the settling down at home part emphasizes the realism that he had about old age. So as we get older, it takes more effort, self-conscious effort to spend time with friends, and it may take a lot longer time to recuperate uh, from those efforts, but till the day we die we should make it our aim to have a biblical balance of work, relationship, and relaxation. Okay, Those mixes will change as people get older, but we really need all three, work, and relationship, and relaxation. Now, while there's a lot more that could be said about aging with grace, I just want to conclude with four more general observations from this passage. The first observation is to not think of the retirement years as the years to do nothing. Now, sometimes our physical bodies just can't do a lot when we get older. But, you know, I I found it fascinating as I was doing research for this sermon... Uh, to find that with the exception of Alexander the Great and Shelley and Keats and a small handful of people, the most important, the most productive things that have been accomplished, that are remembered in history, have taken place after 50, and actually, by far the vast majority took place after 60 years of age. Martin Sherwood uh, cited a study done in the last century that tried to narrow uh, things down to 400 of the most important people and the most important accomplishments in history. They had two committees that were working on this. So the first committee is wrestling back and forth. Every area of life, every walk of life, what are the most important accomplishments that have happened? And they argued and debated back and forth until they thought they had gotten down there for. Then the second committee. They got there. For then they passed their ideas back and forth, and it took a long process before they could come to general agreement, what are the 400 most important things that have happened. Then the next step on this study was they then divided up what date did these accomplishments happen, and then they divided it up into decades. And let me read you some of the results from that. This is very fascinating. Ages 60 to 70 account for 35% of the world's greatest achievements. Ages 70 to 80 account for 23% of the world's greatest achievements. Ages 80 and above, 6%. Now this means that 64% of the world's greatest achievements were made by people who were 60 years old or more. That's astounding. So much for idealizing youth. Uh, The figures for the other periods of life were also interesting. Ages 50 through 60 accounted for another 25%. Ages 40 through 50 accounted for 10%, and when everything is added together, only 1% of the world's greatest achievements were achieved by people under the age of 40. And that included Alexander the Great, uh, you know, how he conquered the world in such a remarkable period of time. Was that an achievement, a great achievement, or was that a great disaster? I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh, Shelley and Keats, poets. So don't despise the process of aging. Now, just to give balance... Those people who accomplish so much in 60 years of age and older, they couldn't have done it without all of the years of experience, the 60 years of experience before, right? So don't despise uh, the youth either. But it does appear that it's after the age of 50 when hopefully the accumulation of wisdom and experience and money and descendants enables the the godly man to leverage his limited time enormously. And he doesn't have much time. He has to leverage his time. So don't dread getting old. Look forward to it. I so respected my gray-haired father that from grade one and on, I looked forward to getting gray hair. In fact, I cannot remember a time when I did not look forward to getting a crown of glory. That's how much I respected uh, my gray-haired father. Uh, To me, it was not something I dreaded. I've always looked forward to getting old. The second thing that I would say is to honor and bless the aged just like David did. Leviticus 19 verse 32 says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. If you want to be remembered as a man who fears God, then honor the aged. Take care of them. Okay? Bring, bring respect uh, to them. You never know how long they'll be around. In fact, it was kind of funny when I was doing research. There's um, a pastor, James Hewitt, a uh, Presbyterian pastor out in California. At his 90th birthday, uh, people were asking him, What does it feel like to be 90 years old? And he said, well, one good thing about becoming 90 years old is that you're not subject to much peer pressure. (laughs) Most of his friends had uh, died off. And the point is, we can't count on having them around forever. We need to take the effort to bless them. And even if they cannot accomplish much in their old age, bless them, honor them. I think the time that I spent with the extremely aged in the nursing home I was an orderly Uh, cleaning them up and caring for them was incredible learning experience it it was a wonderful time for me the third thing that I would admonish each of us on is to be sensitive to the physical needs and the fears of the elderly because of incontinence and arthritis just plain old tiredness Your elderly grandparents or parents may not be able to go on the long trips that they used to go on with you. And I know you've had great memories and you're kind of pressuring them to do that, but be sensitive. They may be forgetful. It does not mean that they are senile just because they are forgetful, okay? The 90-year-old that I just cited a little bit earlier, man, he is one sharp dude, but he confessed this one time. He said, one of the most disturbing aspects of aging is the growing inability to recall vitally important information, such as the gross national product of a Liberia, <laughs> the Greek alphabet, and where you put your slippers. This affliction becomes particularly pronounced when you go upstairs to get something. Halfway up, you realize you have no inkling of what you were going upstairs to fetch. Then... You have to decide whether to go back downstairs and try to remember what you needed or continue on up and look for something that needs bringing down. Unable to decide, you resort to sitting on the landing and sulking, only to discover you've completely forgotten whether you were originally upstairs going down or downstairs (laughs) going up. (laughs) Well, I'm glad he has a sense of humor about that, poking fun at himself but the point is you may be a David who wants a barzillai to be doing something for you and that's okay that's okay if they can do it I'm just saying they might not be able to and be sensitive be sensitive my last admonition is to those with disabilities bless the younger generation just as barzillai did continue to have faith the faith of barzillai who showed he could still fight for a good cause and he could still make sacrifices for his friends. Okay? He couldn't fight with his hands, but he could fight with money. He could fight with prayers. The aged Paul, the Apostle Paul, said that his body was outwardly deteriorating, but his inward man was being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. In other words, yeah, I'm growing old outside, but I'm not growing old inside. He still had plenty of life. And it's the inward man that counts the most on this whole issue of godly aging. Robert Savage rightly said, hardening of the heart ages people more quickly than hardening of the arteries. Hardening of the heart ages people more quickly than hardening of the arteries. Well, may the testimony of President John Quincy Adams be your testimony. When he was very old, he was asked by someone how he was doing, and with a smile on his face, he said, Thank you. John Quincy Adams is very well himself, sir. But the house in which he lives is falling to pieces. Time and seasons have nearly destroyed it. The roof is well-worn, the walls shattered, it trembles with every gale. I think John Quincy Adams will soon have to move out, but he himself is very well, sir. He himself is very well. May that be true of your soul in every decade of your life. And it can only be true as you cling to the cross of Christ, as you allow uh, His grace to go through you, to transform you, to minister into the lives of others. Don't become a dead sea where all you do is you take, but you're not giving. May the testimony of John Quincy Adams be your testimony as you take Barzillai as one of your role models. Amen. Father, we thank you for the role model that Barzillai gives to us—a man who was willing to take enormous risks in the previous chapters in ministering to David, even though it could have been his death, and taking trips, and uh, in other ways, uh, serving. Uh, We thank you, Father, for the testimony that he gives of long-term vision. And I pray that even from early age, each one of us would have an eternal perspective that would help us to see what is important, what is important in life. Help us, Father, to be like Barzillai. Help us to age well, age gracefully. Help us to always have the savor of Christ about our lives, whether young or old. We pray, Father, for your anointing upon each one here. And may your joy be our strength till the day that we die. And it's in Christ's name that we pray this. Amen.